Welcome to Refocus. I'm your host, Trevor Wilson. This is a podcast of Sunday school lessons that I've taught, some sermons that I have preached. Uh, I have various guests at different times. Uh, Basically, the, the whole idea is to just kind of refocus back on the Word of God, going back to those Bible stories, studying the scriptures. Let's just, just kind of get out of ourselves, out of our own thinking, and go back to the Word of God and see what He has to say. I love those old Sunday school lessons when we were kids. We seem to have gotten away from some of those, just the bare bones bottom of what the Word of God, the meat and potatoes, if you will. So I hope you enjoy it and pass along and share. Now, let's get to the lesson. Let's go ahead and get started. We are going to be in Mark chapter 16. Um, This is Easter Sunday. We are still having church, um, although we must keep social distancing. So we will be live streaming for sure. Uh, Make sure you tune in for that. Check that out. I did change the class restrictions. Hopefully those who show up later, or if you have friends or family that you would like to see this, you should be able to share share that along, if you will. But um, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 16. We're going to start with um, a song. The hymn for this week is a song called He Lives. I don't know how many of you know that song. Uh, we, I think we sing it a lot. So I think it's a song that you should probably know, have heard in the past. Um, it is written by a fellow by the name of Alfred Henry Ackley. Um, Alfred Henry Ackley wrote He Lives in 1933. Um, Ackley was born in January of... Um, January 21st, 1887, all right? So uh, he's a couple years old. He's, he was around for a little while. His father was a, was a Methodist minister um, who was into music himself. Um, apparently, he was a fairly gifted individual. He started his son, Alfred, in a strong foundation, it says, for hymnal music. Um, he was playing the piano and the cello at a very young age. He was also, as a young man, it says, that he was um, composing songs, all right? Um, So as a young man, as a boy, as a teenager, um, he was playing the piano, he was playing the cello, and he was uh, writing songs, all right? Composing uh, music. As he grew a little bit older, uh, like his father, He felt the call into the pastorate, so he went that route, and it looks like he graduated from Westminster Theological Seminary in Maryland, okay? Ordained as a Presbyterian minister in 1914. Um, He pastored several churches in Pennsylvania and in California, so... um, He even at one time worked alongside the late, great Billy Sunday, all right? So um, that was a great honor for him um, to to do that. 
So the story about this song, what is the history uh, about this song? So the, the story goes that um, when he was preaching, there was a, during a time of a, a revival meeting, um, they called it evangelistic meetings. He was holding these, this revival and he was, he had this, this Jewish fella that was showing up and the young Jewish student, if you remember, I asked the question in the group, what, what song was inspired by a question asked by a young Jewish man. The question that was asked, why should I worship a dead Jew? All right? So um, this, this kind of haunted him, kind of bothered him, this, this mentality, this thought process um, bugged him. Come Easter, um, he continued to roll around the thoughts of this. Um, Easter arrived shortly after that. He was preparing his sermon for that. And actually on Easter, um, prior to his sermon, he was listening to a radio program. And on the radio program, he heard this, um, what they called, it says that uh, he was shocked to hear a liberal preacher say something like this. And this is what the preacher said. You know, it really doesn't matter to me if Christ be risen or not. His body could have turned to dust long ago in some Palestine tomb. But what's important is that his truth goes marching on. Listen, I, I would lose my mind over that. All right, it does matter if if he was if he rose or not. That shows that he has the power over death. The resurrection is ultimately one of the most important parts of this. You have the crucifixion for the penance of sin, but then you need the resurrection to prove he is God, that he has the power. So, like him, that would infuriate me. So he's screaming and shouting, saying, it's a lie, it's a lie. He goes on, he's screaming, he says, he lives, I tell you, he's not dead, but lives here and now. He goes on to say, Jesus Christ is more alive today than ever before. He says, I can prove it by my own experience, as well as the testimony of countless thousands. So with this, his sermon that he had that that. Easter Sunday was just um, just on fire. Later that night, it says that the story continues that he still could not shake the question of that young Jewish student in the words of that liberal preacher. It was then that his wife, and listen, never never underestimate the, the need of a good, strong, biblical woman by your side, okay? Listen, I, I can tell you, I, 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 it's one of the most important things. I could not be who I am today if I did not have the, the strength of Lori standing behind me. A lot of these great preachers and pastors and teachers and great men of God are so because they have great women of God standing beside them, okay, giving them support. Um, so his wife encourages him, tells him, he says, if that's how you feel, then you need to do something about it. So that is when he turned to the passages of Mark. The passages that we're going to talk about today. And in there, 
In verse 6, it talks about how he is risen. In verse 6, in verse 11, it talks about where they talk about how he is alive. That, that those words, he lives, that idea that he lives just stuck in Ackley's mind. And that is where this song comes. He starts writing this, the, the words, the music, and all this rolls around in his head. And thus the song, he lives, is born. Sadly, Ackley died on July 3rd in 1960 in Los Angeles, California. It is said that he is responsible for over 1,500 hymns and secular songs in his lifetime. Now, I don't know some of these. It lists some of these. Maybe Bob and maybe some of you other guys in there, people, um, classmates that, that know music a lot better than I do know, uh, he is... He wrote the song, God Has Not Forgotten, wrote, I Am Coming Home, When Jesus Shall Appear, Somebody Knows, Take Up Thy Cross, and There's a New Day Dawning. So that is the story of, uh, of our song today, our song, He Lives. Um, so what I want to do is I want to talk about those verses, just a handful of those verses, Mark chapter 16, that inspired this particular song, this hymn. Just like the questions and, and the statements that he heard, he took a stance. He didn't just allow it to to move forth. The Jewish student that's told that he opened up the scriptures and he witnessed to the guy because of that question and because of the statement of the liberal preacher, it infuriated him so that the joy of what Christ has done couldn't be held. Um, and so it inspired the song that he wrote. And, and I'm sure he took that passion to a lot of the hymns that he wrote. Mark chapter 16, verse 1 through um, 5, starts the story of after the, the crucifixion, after the taking down of Christ, uh, he's put in the tomb. You have three women. You have Mary Magdalene, you have Mary, the mother of James, and you have Salome. They're heading uh, with spices, and they are coming to anoint Jesus. So on the way, they start this question, this conversation back and forth about um, who who's going to move this stone, right? Because it's not it's not this little tiny pebble. It's not just a small little thing. It's this gigantic stone that is in the way. So they're questioning who who's going to move this, right? So when they arrive in 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 verse five here, there's a man sitting on the inside, and he's sitting down. What I first want to talk about is their their initial reaction. Okay, it says in verse five that. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in white garment. And they were affrightened, scared. There's this unknown thing that has happened. There's this unknown individual sitting inside of this tomb. And their reaction is scared. And I don't know what is going through their head. I don't know what's running, the thoughts that they're having. But so many times we stumble upon a situation and our reaction is that of a scared reaction. 
They enter a tomb where the body of Christ was supposed to be. Now, uh, we know that he taught this entire time about the resurrection. And they just didn't quite grasp it. And this this shows that here they walk in and instead of a excited like, oh my goodness, it has come true. Praise God. It's a freezing, standing still fear. Stuck in their spot, not knowing what to do, afraid. Listen, we're going to be called and we're going to enter into situations and our reaction cannot be, no matter how much our body wants to be, but that of fear. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what hard times you you have uh, in your life right now or the consequences of, of, of this pandemic fear going into Easter should not be one of those we're entering into a time of where our our Savior was crucified and resurrected we should not enter into this with fear and sadness I love what happens here in verse 6 says, and he saith unto them, be not afraid. We have a direction here to these women to overcome this fear. I, our natural body, our natural uh, react, our natural selves react a particular way. We talked about how we act last week in the song that we talked about then. Here we are talking about it again. Sometimes we struggle with our initial re- reaction. Okay, He's telling them, do not be afraid. Be not the fear that you feel is not legit. Our hearts, our minds will lie right to us. Okay, we talked about that last week. What we are feeling in reality is unnecessary. And not only is it unnecessary, but it's hindering, right? Because now they're frozen, not knowing what to do, not reacting. They're just standing there. In a bad situation, fear is a very, very powerful weakness. It causes us to often stop what we're doing dead in our tracks, and it can be very paralyzing. His command here is to fight through the natural reaction of fear and overcome it. And he gives you a reason why. He doesn't just say overcome it. He doesn't say just be not afraid, okay? Just stop being afraid. There's no reason to be afraid. Quit being afraid, all right? What he says here is he says, be not afraid. He says, the Jesus of Nazareth that ye seek, Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. The reason is he is risen. He is not here. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. What What he said has come true. We're rolling into a season here. We're rolling into a time that... Everything is put on hold. We should be going back to our families and friends and telling them, right now, this very weekend, I know life is hard. Be not afraid. Our Christ is risen. No other other religion can claim a risen Savior. Why is it important? Because no one else has the power over death like our God does. Our Savior, Jesus Christ, conquered death, hell. Our Savior, Jesus Christ, is risen. He is no longer in the tomb, 
right? There's a song that I was, that um, Greater Vision, I think, sings, and they start talking about, uh, you know, who really made out on this, and that's the guy who owns the tomb. I think it's um, just, uh, I can't remember his name right now. Anyway, listen, he was giving this tomb to to Jesus and come to find out that he only borrowed it. It was a temporary tomb. He swept it out and used it again. All right. He made bank on this. Listen, our savior only needed a temporary tomb. He didn't stay down long. He's no longer there. Why, what else can we be excited about? And the fact that he is risen, he is alive. That tomb is empty. It gives them a bit of a direction because they're frozen. There's nothing. They're just standing there. He tells them, he says, go your way. Tell the disciples and Peter that goeth before you in Galilee, where to um, there shall ye see him. And he said unto you. All right. So he tells them to go, go. There's a direction here to go tell. There you go. Kyle tells me. Thank you, brother. Um, uh, Joseph of Arimath, I'll never say it right. That one right there, Kyle put it in the in the words for you, all right? So uh, there's a direction here to the women to go tell the rest uh, of the disciples um, to go and spread the good news of this resurrection. Go tell everybody else. Now, I want to just take a moment here, and I want to step aside here for a second and I want to talk about the fact that he singled out Peter. Now, there's all kinds of different reasons why. This is what I love about our Lord. What was happening with Peter just a while back? Three times he was denying his Savior. Singled out right here. I, I think Christ just wanted to know, so I still love you. Okay, I, I forgive you for what you've done. I want them to know, to tell you that I'm risen and that you can be forgiven. He's loving and forgiving and merciful. God sought to make sure that Peter knew that Christ was not dead and gone. That he had the opportunity to see him again. Peter was still loved, and God still wanted him. Listen, let me, this little side note here. I don't care what you've done, or the life you've lived, or the actions you take. Even at this moment, listen, we're not perfect. I make mistakes daily. You should have seen us trying to put them doors together. All right? But our God thinks about us. And he's risen. And there's instructions here to make sure you let Peter know that Christ is risen. You make sure that you let Peter know that this is an empty tomb and the resurrection has happened. You make special point. Our God will make a special point that if you love him, no matter how far away you get, no matter what, what you do, no matter if you fall down a wrong path or follow a, 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 you know, a wrong situation, he is always there. He is always willing to forgive, and he is a merciful God. And, and that's why I just love that little reason, that little point out to him, no matter what you've done, that crucifixion paid for our sins. The resurrection shows his power over death, and God will and can forgive you any time 
if you repent and you return. These ladies were told to go and share the good news about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Sadly, verse 8, And they went out quickly and fled from the sepulcher, for they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. Once again, fear is a very, very powerful weakness. Don't beat yourself up over your fear. We're in good company. Here's the three women that first came across Christ, right? Two times. Now this fear and this trembling and struggling, this is interfering with the message that they're supposed to be sharing to the world. Peter, out of fear, uh, you know, he, he denies Christ at the crucifixion. Fear is a powerful tool that the devil uses to keep us from doing our will. It's scary to talk to people we don't know. It's scary to, to stand up for your belief systems. For, for teenagers, it's scary to be that one that is willing to, to be different than the rest of, of those, to not cuss and not listen to crazy music and, and drink bad things and live a lifestyle like the rest of the world. Listen, it's, it's scary to be different. But we have a job. We have a message. And fear stops us so many times from following that commandment to go to tell. Again and again, we see this. Christ overcame the death. You and I, I promise you, can overcome the fear to serve him. Don't let you out of your comfort zone. Moses complained, right? Don't, just because you're stepping out of your comfort zone, don't allow that fear to keep you from teaching or serving God in some manner. No matter how hard it gets, no matter how much you're going through, I promise you, we have a serve, a savior that will carry us through our hard times. Now here's some verses in 9 through 11. Mary Magdalene, right? Mary Magdalene, she goes on. She says, now when Jesus was risen early in the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. And she went and told them that had been with him out, uh, well, my bad, been with him as they mourned and wept. And they, when they had heard that he was alive, and had been seen of her, believed not. Now listen, Mary Magdalene, it mentions she's the one here that was cast out devils. She overcame this fear, right? She overcame what this trembling, this scaredness. She pronounced to these men that he is alive, that he is risen. The joy, the excitement of the fact that the Savior came alive and, and, and broke through death's chains was so much excitement that it overcame the fear just as she was directed. I'd hope that the great news that Christ is alive would well so much in each and every one of us that we could burst out of our fear and share the gospel. Come out of our mouths. I picture, I picture this great uh, um, pinata piled up and you're swinging at the pinata and when you finally you hit that pinata what happens bursts open and if it's a good pinata there's all kinds of three musketeers and not the nasty uh snickers bars in there 
and some nerds and all that kind of good candy. And it busts out and it scatters all over the place. It's just bursting with candy to where everyone just kind of dives on in and grabs it all up. The excitement that we serve a risen Savior shouldn't should come to a head this very Sunday. If you're listening here today and fear has a hold of you, I beg of you, I plead with you, be not afraid. He is alive. That tomb is empty and he is no longer in the grave. We serve a God. We serve a mighty God, one that is conquers death, one that paid for our sins, one that is merciful enough, one that is forgiving, but he is a just God and we must serve him and we must do his will. Don't allow fear to lock you in your station. Do not allow fear to hold you from telling the world about our risen Savior. Be not afraid. Why be not afraid? Because he is risen and he is alive. Jesus tells us in verse 15, his own words, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved and he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs, and it goes on and talks, but in those two verses, this tells us to go forth and share the gospel. What is the gospel? That Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and was resurrected again and is alive and well and our King. Now I'm going to read the, like we always do, I'm going to read the words of the song. I'm not going to sing them for those of you that are new to this one. I do not sing these to you. That's something that you have to get my mom or dad or my brother or sister, get them to sing the song for you. Brother Bob's in here. Uh, he can sing. I'm just going to read them to you, but it's very important. Listen, I, I love going over these hymns because so many times in our life, we have gotten to the point to where we're not paying attention to our hymns, what we're singing. And, and the music leading up to the sermon is very important. And when we realize that, we have a guy who wrote this song, and the reason he wrote this song was because there were people out there that didn't know of a risen Savior and was questioning why should they serve a dead Jew. His answer to why? Because I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living whatever men can may say. I see his hand of mercy I hear his voice of cheer, and just the time I need him, he's always near. In all the world around me, I see his loving care, and though my heart grows weary, I never will despair. I know that he is leading through all the stormy blast. The day of his appearing will come at last. Rejoice, rejoice, O Christian, lift up your voice and sing. Eternal hallelujahs to Jesus Christ the King. The hope of all who seek him to help all who find. None other is so loving, so good and kind. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me 
and he talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives? He lives within my heart. I'll end this part and saying this. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you call me, you text me. Do not go to sleep tonight without Jesus Christ in your heart. He lives, died for you. And listen, brother and sister, if you're struggling with your ministry in Christ, if you're not serving the way that you should be serving, get over that fear because he is risen. The tomb is empty and he is alive. He is alive. 